There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
And you're welcome back to the programme. You're listening to The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103 with Elmarie Maw and Connor Tallon. And of course, the month of October brings that bit more jazz back into the playlist. Loved starting off with that one. That's the gorgeous Johnny and Mary. Now then, Connor. Actress and playwright Mary Lou McCarthy has written a play called The Dead Letter Office. It's been described as a timely new play that tackles migration themes and teaches children to find and celebrate connection. It'll be performed at the Graffiti Theatre in the city between the 19th and the 22nd of October. That's Wednesday right through to Saturday with public performances on the Saturday. I had a chance to talk to Mary Lou during the week about all the different hats that she's wearing in this production. I caught her at a good time. They'd just done a performance getting ready for opening in Cork before they go on tour. And so she told me all about the journey that she took with the Dead Letter Office. Mary Lou, you've just told me this is the last day of rehearsal. So this is a big day for you because you're going to get ready for a performance starting in Cork and then you'll actually hit the road. You'll head to the Civic Theatre in Dublin. And this is a show for kids, nine-year-olds plus, isn't that right? Yes. What's it called? The play is called The Dead Letter Office. And so it's the first play I've written. As you were just saying there, you're wearing two hats here, aren't you? I am. So I've written the play. Yeah. And I'm also performing in it. So I have two hats on. Okay. And I'm one of the producers on it. So I guess I have three hats. You've got three hats. Okay. I hope you've got a hat rack. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't, I do now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's been really exciting. You know, I grew up in Cork and the first shows I would have seen were in The Everyman. And The Everyman is one of the partners of the show. And it's really exciting to be, I suppose, as a grown up myself. To be uh, working with the Everyman, and my first show as a child was the Panto and the Everyman, ah. and now I am coming back to write for children, partnered and supported by the Everyman. So I feel really lucky, and it's lovely to yeah. to be able to bring that experience to young people in Cork because I know what it was like growing up and wanting to see live performance. Listen, we don't grow up, all right? I've got news for you. All right? <laughs> well, I certainly haven't. <laughs> <laughs> We're all still kids at heart. Do you know, I love the story behind this. It's a great idea. I don't know where you got it from, but you open up in the the basement of a rural Irish post office. Yes, so the story opens in the basement of an Irish rural post office called the Dead Letter Office. Uh And so in real world terms, Dead Letter Offices do exist. It's where lost posts and parcels are sorted. And I remember I, I stumbled across it doing a project years ago in a book. And I thought, wow, what happens there? you know, who works there? What happens to all the lost stuff they find and what if they can't find the address? And I had this idea um, and I, I think I I read about it maybe in 2011 or mm. two, yeah, and it just wouldn't go away. And so I did other projects and I was acting and I was collaborating with different people around the country and then eventually I said, I'm just going to have to write this because it won't go away. And yeah. you know it's a good idea when it won't go away. Yeah. So that became my location for the play of, of A Dead Letter Office. And also, it's really interesting because over the last few years, you know, I live in Mayo now in Lewisburg, has a rural community and a lot of post offices are closing. Yes. And so we address that in the play. And I think that's something that, you know, children and adults can identify with that your local post office won't exist anymore. What does that mean? What do we lose culturally? But also the nostalgia is there for families, I think, for parents of, you know, going to post office and the airmail letters and stamps and things like that, um, they all like are kind of characters almost in the play. Now, speaking of characters in the play, we meet one called Elizabeth. Yes, 
I play the character of Elizabeth. She's a letter detective uh-huh. and she is brilliant at her job. She's been working in the Delaware office for many years. And on this particular day, uh, the audience are coming for a tour of the dead letter office. Yes. And on this particular day, something amazing happens where a huge parcel arrives and the play is set around what is inside that parcel. It's a huge mystery. It's a big parcel. It's a very big parcel, isn't it? Yeah, a very big parcel. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a surprise inside and it is about what's inside that box and it really changes her life. And it's a kind of exploration, I suppose, around migration and belonging and I don't want to give too much of the story away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's amazing because effectively what you're saying is there's a surprise in the story that nine-year-olds will absolutely adore. But the way the surprise goes tells its own story about, I suppose, what's in the box, tells a story of people who've arrived to our country and their lives and I don't want to give anything away either I just want to leave it hanging there you know and you've managed to get across what is a I suppose a hard subject to explain to children in a very very simplified way just by telling a simple story and graffiti picked up on it and and delighted Uh, so So you managed to get the attention of the civic theatre and and other programs as well Who, who have you got to thank for this I should say yeah, uh, yeah a, lot, a lot of people. The Civic Commission, the play, I applied, you know, for this commission and I had this idea that I had for years and it wouldn't go away. And then I met with the Civic to present the idea at an interview and I had to present, you know, why I wanted to do it, why was it important, why would children and families like it and what the story was. And so I did and I presented to this panel and, you know, you're full of nerves, you have a big idea and you, you want to get it out into the world and you're nervous and I was just really lucky I, I got the commission and then I started working on the commission from, from 2019 so it's taken you know many years to get to this point and we've working with schools like Skull Aoife and Tala in Dublin and we worked with the Civic and we did some showings and then the Everyman came on board and then Graffiti are supporting us by letting us put the show on there because it's a wonderful space for presenting work for children so I have a few different partners and I also have support from Mel which is an initiative to support artists' work and with from Branner and Galway. So there's loads of different partners oh. and the overall sponsor is the Arts Council. And this is the first time I've ever received a huge bursary like this or a huge project award, I should say, from the Arts Council. And so it's a really exciting big first for me. That's a major vote of confidence by a lot of people who, who know what they're talking about and they wouldn't just throw money at it willy-nilly. So that means that you've got the, the, the backing of people who want this to work who wants this idea to come across to children. When are you opening in graffiti in the theatre? Uh, we open next week and we're opening on the 19th of October. Great. And we run the 19th, the 20th, the 21st and the 22nd. And on Saturday, we have public shows and that is at 12 and 3 o'clock and our 3pm show as the Irish Sign Language Interpreter, which will be wonderful. And so there'll be some school shows from the 19th to the 21st and then public shows on Saturday and I would advise people to get booking as, as the tickets are selling well for the Saturday. Okay. Yeah. But it is, you're totally right. It's such a vote of confidence. And I've always been really interested in making work for children. And I have been doing for the last nine years. And I think this is a really special project as we're also collaborating with really wonderful designers, lighting designers and sound designers. And we're trialing this olfactory device, which is a smelling device. So we're going to have live smells in the space to help us heighten the story. So when certain things are mentioned, I'll keep it a surprise. 
and you get to smell those smells in the space live. So are the members of the audience going to become detectives themselves? <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll definitely become detectives when the big box arrives and they don't okay. know what's inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, she very much, the character of Elizabeth wants the audience to feel like they're part of this world of being detectives. And she's training them up to be really good letter detectives. She wants them to be perfect, you know, do their job really well. Well, I'll tell you what, I have to give a quick shout out to my local postman. He's a lovely man. And there was a letter <laughs> addressed to Elle Marie and it didn't give our address. It just gave her name and it got to our door. So we have letter detectives here in Cork as well. So You do. And yeah. the post office do such a wonderful yeah. job at, yeah. at getting letters to where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And it's important. And I'm really glad I get to tell a story that shares how exciting posters especially for adults and also for children that it's hopefully something we can share that it's not a a dying thing that we can bring it back and that we can make sure that we still share letters and find time to write to people in other countries and you know send postcards because I think it's really important and it was a big part of my life growing up. Was with me I remember I had a pen pal in Finland yeah it was magic absolutely magic. Oh wow I'd love to see that do you still have those postcards? No 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 nothing all I have is the memories that's what matters (laughs) and you know what's killing me is I know what arrives in that box and I can't tell anybody so people have to go along on Saturday and find out for themselves. (laughs) People have to go along and find out. Yeah it's like and I hope they'll they'll get as big as a surprise as some of our um (laughs) People who came to see the rehearsal today were like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Enjoy the run. Enjoy the tour. Thank you. Well done. Product of an awful lot of work and a a lot of hats. So hats off to you. Thank Thank you, you, Mary Lou. Okay. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you. And you're welcome back to the programme. I think there's something always so beautiful when you hear families singing together. And we play music from Greenshine quite a lot here on the programme. Noel Shine and Mary Green and their daughter, Ellie. And this is their new single. It's called New Moon on Friday. And when you hear the sound of the mother and daughter singing together, guys, it's just exquisite. Some beautiful lyrics in this. were mine were yours as well my dear till they drifted slowly to the ground and faded like the falling year I saw the light of love in your eyes and that love once set us free now it's the darkness of duty that keeps you There's a new moon on Friday It'll give you the strength to go That same new moon will light my way To the truth that I must know Love cannot be a chain of gold Love must be a key And I open up my arms now so you can fly away from me I am no angel I am no saint I am a falling idol in the chapel of love 
crumbling plaster and peeling paint. It'll be a lie if you see me smile as I lead you to the door. And there'll be times when I will curse you and wonder what our love was for. There's a new moon on Friday. It'll give you the strength to go. That same new moon will light my way to the truth that I must know. Love cannot be a chain of gold. Love must be a key, and I open up my arms now, so you can fly away from me. There were never any angels in this house. Just the light of love, and now. Must be a key, and I open up my arms now, so you can fly away from me. I open up my arms now, so you can fly away from me. Here on the Arts House, Elmarie and myself love hearing about new music from Cork artists. And Elmarie recorded a gorgeous interview with Claire Sands about her new album, which you can hear on the show next week. This week, though, it's the turn of singer Linda Cullen, who, of course, lived in Cork for many years. In fact, she's back for a gig in Collins in November. So news of that to follow. This week, Elmarie rang her to chat about her new single called Seesaw. But of course, now Linda isn't living in Cork, Elmarie had to phone her in her new home in the Black Forest in Germany. Linda, I associate you so much with the music scene in Cork, but I know, of course, for a number of years now, your home is in the Black Forest in Germany, which sounds so exotic. How long are you living in Germany? And and what's it like to live in the Black Forest? So I've been here for three and a half years. I came here to take a six-month teaching position. And at the start, I was like, Oh my goodness, it's very quiet here. I'm in a small village on the edge of the Black Forest. I mean, Black Forest is a huge region. Yeah, six months has turned into three and a half years. You plainly fell in love with the place. I did, I did. I'm very lucky. I live two minutes from where I work. And on my lunch break, I can be in the forest with my dog. And that's what I'll do now. After a chat, I'll head off out for a walk. I find it suits me. Absolutely suits me. Yeah, I love the job. We have a great school. We have an Ireland class which I'm involved in, where the kids go to Ireland every year. Yeah, I landed on my feet. And obviously, I, I there is a man involved too. <laughs> <laughs> I met a very nice man too. Then I, I brought the dog over and that means I'm staying, I guess, you know, the dog that's is here, that's it. it. The roots are down. <laughs> well, you know, it sounds it sounds so beautiful and I love all your photographs on Facebook and you, you share these incredible images and it, it does look beautiful. So I'm not surprised. But the the other thing, though, is the thread that connects you so strongly to Ireland and to Cork is music. And, you know, even with this latest single, which we're going to listen to this morning, the ties with Cork are as strong as ever. So I'm going to get you to introduce 
the single that you've just released, which is called Seesaw. And tell us a little bit about it, because you've worked so deeply with, with Martin on this. So I, I wrote Seesaw about a year and a half ago. And as you can imagine from the title, I guess a metaphor for life, the ups and downs and trying to find a balance. I wanted to work with Martin on this one in particular because I love all the work Martin has done with his own music and the production that he's done on, on other people's music. I just, I think he's incredibly talented. Yeah. And so I asked him if I could come and record it at his studio. And so last summer when I was at home, I went to his studio for the day and we had a really, really nice day. He made it very easy. I'm not a person who loves recording. I get very nervous. In front of an audience, I feel like I'm in my element. But when I'm in a studio recording, I, oh yeah, it's the opposite. It's very exposing, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. And more so than being in front of people. And I, I'm, I'm not sure why that is, but yeah, I have a few theories. But I, I found it very easy to work with him. We had a very long talk. He understood deeply the meaning of the song and he had so many ideas about what we could do with it and it was we were very much on the same wavelength with it so I knew I was leaving the song in really good hands when he sent me what he had done with it I mean he played all the instruments on there I played the guitar and sang and he played all the other instruments on there and put the harmonies on he sang himself and He's one of these multi-talented dudes. And um, I liked it immediately. There was nothing I would say, oh, no, I don't like that, or could you change that? And no, it was, it, I just, it spoke to me immediately. And so I love having that connection with Martin and with Cork. It makes me feel like I haven't really left, you know. Exactly. <laughs> because I love Cork so much, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know a lot of people feel like that, but also how lovely to have such, you know, a genuine connection in music. And a really lovely relationship like that, that music can pass back and forth and you can trust exactly. somebody to see and hear what's in your music and to, to augment it and, and to bring out the kind of jewel that was there. And one other thing I wanted to talk to you about in terms of connection with Cork music, of course, is you haven't just released your music on Bandcamp, which we're always talking about on this programme because of the support it does give to musicians and creators. But you've also yeah. released this on the Island of Music, which is, of course, a website we've talked with Sheena Crowley about with on the programme before. But I still think you can't talk about these things enough. Like for people who have not heard myself chatting to Sheena, how about you tell them what the Island of Music website is about? Yeah, so many people in Cork, of course, will know Sheena from, from Crowley's Music Centre. When that closed down, I think it was such a great, a huge loss for Cork. Uh, but Sheena being Sheena is not one to, to lie down. <laughs> she, she, she moves things online. And so the best thing I think about the Islands of Music is if you want to buy an instrument, you can. You can buy an instrument. You, you can go online and you can see many instruments there for sale. Secondhand instruments and also new instruments made by Irish instrument makers. But not only that, you can rent an instrument. I just think this is amazing. You can rent an instrument for €25 Euro a month. Whatever it is, Sheena will find it for you. And this is this is amazing to me because you get a chance to try it before you commit to actually buying it. And I love that. In fact, when I'm home in a few weeks, I'm going to rent a bazooki. No. <laughs> and I'm going to rent it for six months. Yeah. And then if I like it, the money that I've spent on renting it for those six months will go towards buying it. I just think that's such an amazing concept. 
And apart from that, you can buy music from Irish artists. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, like, you're one of the musicians now who, like, Sheena isn't just showcasing instruments for sale or instruments for hire. She wants to connect musicians with teachers and students. And if you're looking for a teacher, yeah. she'll find you one. If you want to try an instrument, she'll hire you one. But also she has created this other platform where singers and songwriters and musicians can sell their music. So like another streaming service or a purchase service. So you can have your own page with your biography and details and links to albums and all that sort of thing, which is it's listen, I mean, like Sheena Crowley's mind just knows no limits. It's it's amazing what she's trying to encompass in this. But it's obviously important to you that your music is on this platform. Hugely important. I just I, I just think that everybody, like everybody, music maker or music lover, should be supporting this kind of site to buy their music because it's made in Ireland. <laughs> it's called the Island of Music. I love the name because like around the world, we are known as an island of music. Mm-hmm. It's part of our identity. And so we shouldn't be handing that power, let's say, to these huge companies like Spotify and Apple, we should be using it and we should be encouraging it. It's what we're known for. And I think that everybody should be buying their music online, on obviously on sites that support the artist, but also a site that's made in Ireland. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The amount of work that's gone into it. And it's all from the heart. Like if you know Sheena, you'll know that she's she's all heart. Yeah, the, the vast majority, like the, the money that the, the site gets for the sale of uh, a download is nothing. You know, it's like, it's just so so supportive of Irish musicians. And I wish that everybody in all levels of Irish society was as supportive of the arts as, as Gina Crowley is. Fair dues to her, fair dues <laughs> to her. You know, I think like in recent years, we've become more conscious of Things like where we buy our food, what kind of air miles are happening, you know, trying to shop local and buy local. But then when you go to the online and digital worlds, streaming from anywhere in the world is so cheap and so easy. We kind of forget that buying local also means supporting local by doing it through platforms like this, where the days of going in to buy a CD are kind of dwindling. (laughs) But that's how, you know, musicians got their, their money through sales. So we, we need to be a little bit more conscientious, I think, or even conscious of what we're doing. Yeah, and it's so easy. I mean, you could go, I mean, if you were going to buy more organic food or, yeah. you know, you might have to go, you might have to go to a different supermarket. This is very easy. Like, instead of going to Apple, you just go to the Island of Music instead. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, not, like, it's not like you're walking out of your way or anything, you know. So yes. I just think, yeah, I, I, I've been shouting it from the rooftops because... I just think we need to support our own artists. We really and truly do. On the island of music where we're from. (laughs) Well, now, you are, as you said, over in Germany. That's where you're teaching. And with teaching will come hopefully the midterm break very soon. And you're coming back to Cork because I know there's a gig in the offing, isn't there? That's right. Oh, I can't wait. My favourite place to play in Collins on the 4th of November with my very favourite person to play with, Fintan Lucy. So Fintan and I have played for, God, it must be 12, 13 years together now. He's been over here twice this year and twice last year to do some gigs over here with me. And when I go home, it's it's a must for me to do a gig with Fintan and to do it in a place like Collins. What do they call it? The littlest venue with the biggest heart or something (laughs) like that. I love it. There's magic. There's magic in Collins. And I can't wait.
Excellent. Well, we can't either. And we're going to listen to Seesaw now. Linda, I've been meaning to get you on the show with a good long time. So it really is such a pleasure to chat to you. We're going to listen to Seesaw. Sorry to interrupt you now, but I have to say that I listen in almost every Sunday to the art show Ah, because it keeps me connected with Cork and (laughs) keeps me connected with Cork. There's always somebody I know on it and I hear new music from people I know. And yeah, thank you. That's brilliant. (laughs) I'm delighted to be honest. Delighted, Linda. Lovely, lovely, lovely to talk to you. And here it is now, the creation of Linda Cullen, the new single called Seesaw, available, of course, on the Island of Music and on Bandcamp. Thank you. 
Now Cork plays host to two fantastic mystery shows this week. Firstly, the comedy improvised murder mystery opens at the Cork Arts Theatre this week. And if you've never been, guys, it's an absolute hoot. Every single night is different because it all depends on what the audience suggests. But this genius team know each other inside out over the years. So they can make up script on the spot. They can compose songs on the spot. They just tangle the audience suggestions together in totally ingenious ways. And they have everyone with tears rolling down their cheeks. You can book tickets on the Cork Arts Theatre website. While just across the river in the Cork Opera House, Agatha Christie's legendary play The Mousetrap opens tomorrow night and runs for the week. I've always wanted to see this in the West End, but this play has kept people guessing for so long, not just in the West End, but right around the world when it tours. It's become the longest running show of any kind in the history of theatre and everybody keeps the secret at the end. That's the thing. In typical Agatha Christie style, the scene is set when a group of people gathered in a country house cut off by the snow, discover to their horror that there is a murderer in their midst. Who can it be? I've been coming here for as long as I can remember. Although the faces seem to change, the mystery remains and everyone is a suspect. Around every corner of this old place, someone is hiding something. A story. A scandal. A secret. There's a question that hangs in the air here like smoke. And only one of us knows the answer. It's the question that keeps me and millions like me coming back night after night, year after year, decade after decade. Agatha Christie's masterpiece, The Mousetrap. Don't just see it. Solve it. Well, it's going to be a rare old night. Fiddler Zoe Conway and her guitarist husband John McIntyre will perform a very special one-off concert with her good friend, Riverdance composer Bill Whelan. It takes place in Ballymaloo Grain Store this coming Wednesday. I had the good fortune of getting a chance to talk to Bill Whelan during the week and he's just finished writing his memoir The Road to Riverdance and will be published by Lilliput Press on the 27th of October. So needless to say I wanted to know what part did Riverdance play in the telling of that story and of course the clues in the title. It ends with the story of Riverdance but a lot happens beforehand. You know it is it is really the end of the book is, is, is Riverdance and and the start of the book is my life in Limerick, my family, my father's side and my mother's side, the influence that they and Limerick had on my own formation as a as a musician, and what I what I went through in music education in Limerick, and then a lot of kind of anecdotal stuff about people I remember from the city and you know things we got up to from the earliest days and what it was like to live in in Limerick i was born in 1950 so halfway through the last century what it was like to live in that city at that time and and then what it was like when eventually i moved to dublin to study my parents wanted me to i was an only child so they were all concerned that i kind of go on and do something useful and when I suggested music, which was something that they drenched me with all through my life, uh, when I suggested, OK, so let's do music, and they said, well, are you crazy? You know? <laughs> yeah, get a real job, a proper yeah. job. 
So I, 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 I chose a law degree and I went and did a law degree. Ah, you tried. <laughs> but yeah, I did. And But I was not the, the most focused law student in the history of UCD. But I came through it. But all the time I was noodling around music, trying to find a door. Which door can you get in here? And then it's the life of, I, I suppose, I, I met my wife in college and we married in 74 and then we we were like four kids later and working as a as a freelance musician my gravitated towards i never wanted to be a kind of up front out on the stage front man or anything like it i was always attracted to the the backroom activities of music making so either composition arranging producing all of that stuff so i hung around the studios and you know, got work as a session musician and then played with shows. And one of my most memorable ones was being with Jesus Christ Superstar in Cork and the Opera House, which we did for a few weeks. And then on through production and then my, my I suppose, my reintroduction to traditional music through working with artists like Danny Doyle and Paddy Riley and then the Dubliners and then finally Planksty and Donalani and Andy Irvin. And that that really gave me, you know, trad music was kind of difficult to break into. It's also a great leveler as well, isn't it? It is. It is exactly. But it was the. But if you weren't like if your if your name wasn't Liam O'Fallon, but was Bill Whelan instead, you know, <laughs> it was sometimes there was a little bit of shall we say protectionism around around trad music, and that was hard to get in past. But then people like. Donald and Andy gave me a great welcome. We worked together a lot. Well, they must have seen something in you as well, for God's sake. Well, yeah, I guess we we, we well we, we sort of resonated. Well, I I loved their. I had the same kind of musical curiosity as they had. Yeah, we got on very well, and that brought me into trad. And then you know Planksty and touring with Planksty and recording, and then eventually deciding that. Some, somewhere towards my late 30s that I really should, you know, I, I started out writing songs and writing music, writing instrumental pieces, and I'd kind of got waylaid a little bit, like by about 10 years into doing other things, making music for television commercials, doing music for films, doing all of that. And I sort of said, well, hang on a second. I'm, I got into this because I wanted to be a writer. Well, what, what's happened there? I refocused in a tough time in the 80s. I, oh, God, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I decided I was going to just do writing. That led, actually, directly in a curious way, probably because I maybe appeared to uh, people around me to be more focused. I suddenly was doing large orchestral pieces, and I did the Seville Suite and the Spirit of Mayo and wrote the music for a, an off-Broadway production of Leon Uris's Trinity, and then finally Riverdance. And all of the elements that I'd been working with all along appeared in several of those pieces, and then finally in Riverdance. So that's a very potted history, but that's what the story of the book is now. It's fleshed out. But I have one question for you. Was there a level of luck there? Because I always believe that luck is preparation and opportunity. You're dead right. Luck is kind of what happens when you are ready for it. Sometimes it could be passing you by and you wouldn't even see it. Uh, but but here it was and, and I was ready. I had done 
you know, done the groundwork. Yeah, yeah, I'd done a lot of work to get to where I was, and and when luck finally struck, I was I, I had enough experience under my belt to be able to see it and and to go with it, and never to never to discount it. It was important to you know, it'd still be waiting if there was no luck, and I've seen many artists over the years who I've valued and thought these guys really have to make it or these girls really have to make it. And it doesn't it doesn't happen for them, you know. So you know, it's 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 a tough one. Yeah. But I would say you consider yourself lucky to have met Zoe Conway and John McIntyre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well actually the the story of my relationship with Zoe Conway is my son David, when he was going around with bands in his early life. He's now a lawyer, which my mother is probably delighted about in heaven looking down saying, Jesus, at least one of them was some, some <laughs> use. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, he, he um, but when he was playing around with bands, he uh, he came back from a, a, a gig in Lorient in the Brittany at the Celtic Festival, said to me, Dad, you have to hear this, this fiddle player. She's only a kid, but she's unbelievable. So that's what introduced me to Zoe Conway, and I called her up and met with her and her dad, who was who at the time was very present in her life, as you would expect, and because he had brought her through. Oh, she! I think he went to the they went to the Willie Clancy School together from the, about the age of four. You know, I mean, he was really, and then he was also ma- making sure she had a classical training. I mean, he was a real dad that saw the potential of his daughter and really nurtured it, which was wonderful. But I said to them, look, I said, you know, I have a studio. You can come and go in and do an album. They came and they were doing, like they did everything. They did Bach partitas, they did jazz and trad. And so somewhere towards the end of that, I said, really not acting as a producer, until this moment and I said look do you know what I think you have to make an album which is a bit more focused around a particular type of music because audiences aren't ready to buy an album that has Bach and jazz and trad so the, she wrote a few pieces and then she ha- also has a unique voice so we recorded her singing Tom McCullough and we finished out the album with a tighter aesthetic if, if you like and where it could have headed, that started our relationship. And then I wrote for her. I wrote the Connemara Suite for her, and we performed that. Very first performance of that was, premier performance was in Carnegie Hall. So we weren't shabby. We started off big. <laughs> and uh, it, it, Dream, dream. Yeah, you have exactly. to dream, dream big. So the relationship, our friendship and relationship has come through all the years and we've travelled together she's played in Riverdance then John appeared on the scene and they were initially you know John was in the revs and his I didn't know whether what way that was going to work out and suddenly they were a duo not alone not alone romantically and personally but they were suddenly a musical duo as well so then I wrote for them as well (laughs) it's been a a lovely experience the whole Zoe Conway thing so you know the thing in in Ballymaloo is I suppose a salute to that. You know, we we, we enjoy being together. In Ballymaloo, I'm going to actually read, we're going to have a conversation together, probably some around, a little bit around this, and then talk a little bit about the book. And, and I'm going to read, do some readings from the book when I'm there and play a few pieces with them. That would yeah. be a lovely little mix, a little miscellany. Yeah. Look, you've armed your potential audience with a lot of information, not only about you, but yeah. about Zoe and John as well. 
And all that's left to say, really, is the most important thing is that it's Wednesday, next Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Yeah. Get to Ballymaloo and fill yeah. those seats because it's a lovely space, gorgeous space, great acoustics. I've never, I've never, I mean, I've been, all my kids, we probably saw that in the blurb, three of my children went to Ballymaloo and, and one of my daughters is now, well, actually, she's kind of taken a bit of a sabbatical from it, but she's a chef, you know, directly as a result of that. My son, Brian, he works with me here in the studio. He he's less, shows less signs of having been in Ballymaloo, I would have to say. <laughs> I've tasted their scones. Yeah, yeah, They're delightful. <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean, he can do a very good, what's this he does? He does something which is very nice. Of, oh, yeah, but I think it's a Bailey's cheesecake. But I don't notice him doing much else. <laughs> No offence to the folks at Ballybaloo, but two girls. We have a great Christmas in this house because both girls are really avid ex-Ballymalooers. We always have a great Ballymaloo-tinged Christmas here. Well, all I can say is that Christmas is going to come early this year to Ballymaloo, to Shanagarry. When you turn up in the grain store yourself, yeah. John McIntyre and Zoe Conway, and you're going to bring the book as well and give people a taste of what's to come at the end of the month when you release your story some of which you have told us already this morning on air. So, Bill, it has been an honour and a pleasure to talk to you. Very nice to talk to you, Connor. Look forward very much to being down in Shanagarry, not least, not least of which will be maybe the afters. I would say this is only a taste of what's to come. Bill, again, enjoy the trip and enjoy the night. OK. Thank you so much. Thanks, Connor. And here is Zoe Conway and John McIntyre playing together with a little piece called On Coppoline Dove. And don't forget, they're playing in Ballymaloo Grain Store on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock with special guest Bill Whelan.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.